they'll they'll watch Harden do this step back two hundred times. I'll call it a travel every time. Then you'll you'll come out and you'll watch Luca do the same exact move. I'm like, oh, that's a good shot. <laughs> I was like, bro, <laughs> it's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> From tip off to buzzer beater, kick off to hail mary. This is triple overtime. Welcome back to Triple Overtime. This is Tony. I'm here with Clifford and Tiago. You. What's up? What's up? We're excited to have you guys. We just did a little live on our uh, Instagram. You guys gave us all the love and support in the world. We appreciate y'all. Just wanted to say that one time. We're going to be talking about some really good points today. We got quotes at the end. We got some NFL stuff, some NBA stuff, some stuff that you guys are going to have something to say about. So hit us up. I'm going to hit you early. Hit us up in the comments and let us know what you guys think about these takes. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the NFL. My question to you, gentlemen, other than quarterback, what is the most evolved position in the game? Um, in terms of evolution, I really honestly feel like it's the tight end position because, and, it, and for me, it really started with the New England Patriots. So looking at what they did with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, that duo was disgusting. And, and they'd actually run three tight end sets sometimes. So yep. you'd have three tight ends run out of that set. You have no idea where the ball's coming. You have a position where the tight end is, uh, it's, it's a cheat code because he's like a bigger, faster, not faster than a wide receiver, of course, but I mean, wide who, receiver skill who, set who covers guy. tight ends? Yeah. Linebackers, right? Yeah. So those linebackers are getting cooked every single position. It's, it's unfair. Yeah. And if you move a safety on him, he's too small. Exactly. So yeah. then look at how other team, it's a copycat league, right? So then you look at, you know, the evolution of, you see George Kittles come out, Hunter Henry's, um, you know, like, yes, Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez, but those guys were like, and like Shannon Sharp, you know, shout out to Uncle Shea. But, you know, those guys were like anomalies. Now everybody's looking for that Hunter Henry, that Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Like, look at what George Kittle's done for San Francisco. You know, so I, I just feel like- and- and uh, I actually really like that. And I'll even give you a different name that doesn't fit really into that motif that you're building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Ingram. Beast. He's not He's not known as a, as a blocker per se like these other guys are, but he's, he's just as good as any wideout on that yeah. team. It's a different, totally different skill set. They play the game completely different, but he's still revolutionizing the position in yeah. his own way. And so to actually kind of go off of uh, Tiago's thought with the tight ends, I'm going to go with... Um, I don't want to just say the middle linebacker. I want to go with the linebacking core. I think, uh, you know, 15 years ago in a, in a run heavy league, linebackers were not that they were less versatile, but they were asked to do less because it was everyone played the same way. And like now as the game is evolving to quarterbacks being able to not only break the pocket, but tight ends are running like receivers now. Not that there weren't some of those before, but like everybody's doing it. Like, and, you know, you said some of the guys in the slot, like some teams, there's teams where the slot receivers are number one receiver. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of action over the middle of the field. And we're seeing that the top linebackers are guys who can not only play their run, but they got the versatility they can draw back in coverage and make plays and that is a very big part of defense now if your linebackers can't cover you're going to get exposed especially by teams that have a george kittle or evan ingram or hunter henry any any of these teams because like the matchups that it creates is so bad but um yeah i think that's if i had to pick someone that wasn't a quarterback i would say the linebacker yeah quarterback's mm-hmm. an easy pick guys i mean we can name 10 quarterbacks right now that are revolutionizing yeah position. but yeah no for sure no i i, I hear you on the linebacker take because it's true like you look at luke keekley retiring man it's, it's like it's so bittersweet like i'm i i really respect his decision and i'm and i'm all for that but to me he's the one like he's the definition of this new era of linebacker well, I look at him and bobby wagner and bobby yeah yeah, yeah. and, and, and there were you know again like those pioneers you know ray lewis you know being the leader of a defense um you know patrick willis brian erlacher you know like they were there were those guys but now it's like you know those guys could change an entire an entire game an entire season absolutely so, so shout out to Erlacher for actually having that style a little bit before I mean he was really I mean he's a run stopper but like that entire line but he could cover yeah. he could cover but like Lance Briggs is like a run stopper like you're not dropping him in coverage right. so yeah. like the fact that he would already kind of like had that style that's an ode to like well he's a hall of famer for well, sure or he will be if he's not but yeah. um but it comes down to like how you like basketball. It's a cerebral game. Exactly. So you got guys who take that position and they make it a mind game. Bobby Wagner is a good example. Mm-hmm. So uh, Levante David, mm-hmm. if you look back, who they used to have, you know, plays for the Niners, Quan Alexander, these athletic guys who can guard or can cover. But I think like Bobby Wagner is one of the best Tampa two players that probably I've ever seen mm-hmm. because that Tampa two, you know, that, that middle linebacker is responsible for that deep middle or not deep middle, yeah. but like an intermediate middle, middle it's, zone. It's a cover through the linebacker. Yeah, exactly. It's cover, exactly. It's like <laughs> yeah. a robber. It's like a robber. Yeah. It's, it's like a robber coverage. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Brian Dawkins, Jamal Adams, like that very, 
aggressive safety. That's how he plays linebacker. For sure. So it's, it's fun to watch. Um, so mine is predicated off of kind of one guy. You can see it. The trend is beginning now, but uh, Quentin Nelson, Indianapolis Colts, left guard, absolute monster. But not only can he block for the pass, but he's a great run blocker, mm-hmm. specifically because he is ultra athletic for a guy of his size. Mm-hmm. So you talk about like you talk about pulling guards, right? You talk about a guy who's able to at least keep up with the running back running down the sideline yeah. and lead block for him. That is super interesting. So and I think that's a lot of so why the what are the Colts really good at? running the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are they really good at running the ball? Well, they have linemen who like to block. Yeah. They have linemen who are, who like to run. Mm-hmm. This isn't, this isn't the 80s where it's just, you make a hole and then you like, you let the running back run through and make everybody miss. Mm-hmm. It's, we're going to pull our guard and we're going to have him have a convoy. It's basically, they're, 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 you're making a run into almost like a screen yeah. where you have linemen running downfield with your uh, running back. And mm-hmm. I think Quentin Nelson right now is the best in the NFL to do. Yeah, I've never really thought about that, but that could change the game. If you have guys, I mean, you I could mean, change the, the whole, you could change the whole dynamic of the way football is played. Oh, I mean, absolutely. you have all these new plays. It, it, it's a game changer. That's absolutely. that's really interesting. It's something I never thought about. Yeah, well, and I like it because what he like, like you said, it's game changer. What he can do encourages change of the playbook. So if you have a generational talent like like a Lamar Jackson or like uh, Aaron Rodgers, like you change the playbook to fit them mm-hmm. because they're going to be what wins you or loses you games. Yeah. This offensive lineman is changing their playbook. And to me, for not a quote unquote skill position, that's impressive. No, that's dope. I mean, the game is won and lost in the trenches every week, one Absolutely. way or the other. Now, I want to give a couple of shout outs just because I can't not have this question and not talk about Christian McCaffrey, uh, Saquon, Zeke, you know, this whole kind of new era of running back, this sure, resurgence of sure. running back. We can't just ignore that. I, it's funny. So I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, the wide receiver position and they said, well, what about Michael Thomas? And I said, Michael Thomas is he's a great version of like Isaac Bruce, mm-hmm. you know, Marvin Harrison. We've seen this before. Yeah. The wide receivers are still doing things wide receivers do. Yeah. They can just do it with one hand more often. Right. That's, I mean, not, not, I'm not, I used to play wide receiver. I'm not hating on it. I just, there's, there's so OBJ's like that made my career, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> but there's so much like that, that there's only so much you can do with that position. And that position is, I mean, before, you know, if you, you want to go all the way back to Jerry Rice, that yeah. position is constantly being rejuvenated into something mm-hmm. new. And yeah. So yeah. now it's, it's nice to see the rest of the NFL is catching up because oh, you can talk sure. safeties. Yeah. Jamal Adams plays in the box at a linebacker spot as much as he plays in the, in the deep mm-hmm. zone. So, you know, we can say the safety has a great, you know, mm-hmm. has been involving. So it was one of those things that I know I talked to y'all about it the other day that I told you I was going to bring it up because I want y'all to think about it, but it's a very fun time to watch football, especially if you have been a football fan for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the game is definitely changing. I think, uh, to your point too, about the receivers, um, one way that the game is changing a lot, especially now that I look at it, you, you name like, you know, the Jerry Rice's and Randy Moss's, um, it's, it's funny to me. I mean, of course we still have the dominant big guys like Julio, Mike, Michael Thomas is a tall dude too. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think it's funny how like the outside guys and even the slot guys, they're not really massive human beings. Like we're winning off skill right now. It's just feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, Antonio that's, Brown's or AB, Diggs, OBJ's like, it's just feet. That's it. It's footwork. And uh, that I think that's how the position's evolving. It's a lot less brute force. It's not less like I'm just going to beat you because you can't stay in front of me. Yeah, which or is just cool. or just I'm taller and stronger. Yeah, than taller you. and stronger mm-hmm. than you. Not that that's being lost, but I think there we've seen a lot. There's a lot less Mike Evans now than there was probably ten years ago. Far as because yeah. I don't think they're looking for guys that are just because you're six six. Like I'm gonna pick you. Like well, nah. it's like you turn around yeah. and you look at like, like again. I'm a Bucks fan, so I look at Mike Evans versus Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's six three. Mike yeah. Evans is six five. But they play the game completely different. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. Um, I think there will always be a place for a guy who can go up and, and pick the ball off of an 11 foot pass. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a spot for that guy. Yeah. Um, a lot of teams who have been successful have always had quote unquote that guy, Randy Moss, at least one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether it's a tight end, wide receiver, it doesn't matter, but you will also always have a, another guy who can run a slant just and be wide just open. be wide open. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the, the Patriots made Julian Edelman yeah, millions Julian, of dollars. <laughs> Julian Edelman, but you yeah. had Gronk, who was going to be able to go up yeah. and get it. Yeah, that's always. true. Like, you know, you always had both of those guys. Yeah. You know, it's it's, exactly. it's what makes them unstoppable. It's what makes them unfair. Absolutely. Call that picking your poison. That's it. So we talked about a bunch of players currently <laughs> playing in the NFL, and we talked about players who used to play in the NFL. Let's talk about the collective bargaining agreement. We cannot come to an agreement right now. 
So Tiago, what do you think about what's going on in the NFL right now? I think it's wild, man, because it's interesting. And I don't know about you guys, because when I saw it reported, I was like, oh, okay, like, this is cool. Like the way that it was reported, like it, it made it seem like both it was, sides, it was yeah, done. like it was, it was done. a done deal. Like they're like, yeah, so, um, you know, the, the owners voted, everything's good. We're just going to send it out to the players association and, you know, it'll be done real soon, you know? And then next thing you know, I think JJ Watt came out with that tweet and he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a hard no for me, you know? And I was like, whoa, like, well, well, what's going on? What's the big deal? So I think they're trying to expand, uh, from 16 games to 17 games. And then eventually it would run to 18 games at a certain point. So I thought about that and I'm like, yo, I mean, that's a lot of game. I obviously see where it's win, win for the owners. I mean, the TV deals, the extra money, it's, it's a quick money grab. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also see why players like JJ Watt who put themselves on the line, JJ, you know, like I can't remember the last time JJ Watt wasn't injured and that's terrible. There's no way he's going to be healthy for an 18 game season. Exactly. And it's no knock to JJ Watt. He plays one of the most physical positions on the field. It's a physical game. Yeah. It's a physical game. There's a reason that they don't play 82 games like basketball. There's a reason for and sure. And that reason is because their bodies cannot hold up to that kind of punishment for that amount of time. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot, man. I, I, I can definitely see where the players are, are coming from. Um, but I think honestly, outside of like the rules and stuff, the thing that just really bothered me the most is the way that it was presented. You guys have, have known, I've said this before, you know, and it's my opinion, but you know, I just feel like when you're a public figure or your organization or anything, perception is everything. The NFL understands that better than anybody. So to put pressure on the players by kind of, you know, doing this release to the media, you know, making it seem like everything's good, like everything's Gucci, everybody's good with it. Welcome to the business world. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, that, yeah, that was, was that, that was a flex. That for was sure. terrible, man. And I understand why the NFL players are heated. Like yeah. that's not cool. Yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm on the same page with you. I don't, I don't know the, the fine details of it. And uh, there's a, there's a few players who I consider to be very smart human beings who are telling us like, it's not like, it's a no go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm going to lean to their side and take their word for it. Cause I mean, a lot of those guys are probably the ones that are in the room that are actually, cause they're only going to show us the good stuff. They're going to show us what we want to see. Cause right. they want to, they want to get us on their side so that we can pressure them into signing it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the guys are saying like, this is not, it's not really what y'all think it is in a sport like football. I want all the power to be to the athlete. Cause like, we know how short their careers are. Like you're, you're basically selling off a body part yeah. for four or five years of your life. I mean, like, of course you're playing a sport that you love, but we all understand the circumstances that come with, once you retire and after that, I mean, if you can bow out gracefully and maintain your health, that's amazing, but that's mm-hmm. usually not the case. And so, uh, in order for you, for them to want to put the players in even more, more jeopardy, that injury risk goes up even higher for sure. To me, that's already like, nah, bro. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, as a football fan, I want to watch more football. Yeah. You can't look at this as a selfish thing. You can't be like, man, but I want to watch more football. Right. I want to watch more football games because so, you know, the athletes and stuff, you know, I want them to be safe. I want them to have long careers if that's what they so choose, but more so I want them to be healthy afterwards. Right. But even taking out the human aspect of it, if I'm a football fan, I want my team to maintain their health all season long. I want my team, if they're going to be a playoff contender to go into the playoffs healthy and ready to play. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to play two, three more games, have more risk of injury, and then not be able to win a championship because they're playing a long season. That's as a football fan. Now, as a human, you guys have to understand, these are some of the best athletes in the world. There are some some of these guys who could play basketball. Some of these guys can play baseball. For sure. So out of the NBA, Major League Baseball, and hockey, they're the number three highest paid players behind MLB and NBA. But they are the number one at risk of getting injured. Some doesn't add up. Bad so. business decision. And they don't have such thing as guaranteed contracts like the MLB does. And the NBA. Oh, and, the, and the NBA. Oh, and the NBA. Yeah. yeah. So they can put it in their contract that X amount is guaranteed. Right. But to have a fully guaranteed contract, in my opinion, like if you want a CBA where you're going to be playing more games, fully guaranteed and my minimum wage for this goes up tenfold. Yeah. Some, something's got to give. Something's yeah. got to give. Yeah. I mean, it, it's wild. And, and honestly, like as a, and it's kind of like what you said, like as a fan, like you're like, yeah, I would love more football, but just as a human being, like, you know, I can't imagine. And, and we've all kind of been there where, you know, you're working for an organization and stuff and they come in and they say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Like, or for whatever reason, so-and-so let go or budget cuts here. So we're going to give you uh, twice the work, but uh, the same amount of time, you know? And it's like, that's essentially what they're doing here. Hey, we're going to, we want more games. We want this. It's going to be good for the NFL. It's good for the organization. Mm. It's not good for you. 
But hey, yeah. do it for the do company. It. Do it right. for the company. That's yeah. my biggest. Be a company. Man. That's my biggest yeah. issue with the NFL is it's it's about the shield, which is why I love that the NBA logo is an actual person. Right. That changes a lot. You can see that with the way the organizations are run. It, it, the weirdest thing with me, the I guess this is kind of odd, but I like I didn't want this to go through purely off of the fact that it would just mess up the stats alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want because like back in the day it was like fourteen games and now it's sixteen. Right. Yeah. So it's like OJ Simpson probably would still have the rushing record if it was 16 games. True. So it's like, I, it just, it makes stuff weird. True. I don't like, just leave, like it's already more than what they were doing before. Just leave, like, it, just leave it where it is. Leave it where it is. Like imagine if someone rushes for like 2,500 yards now. I'm like, yeah, but you have two more games. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thing with the whole, my, my favorite part of this whole thing is what is the biggest problem with the NFL right now? Is it that there's not enough football? No. Is that honestly the biggest problem with the NFL right now? No, that's not the issue. So why are we, why are y'all stressing this? Like, this isn't the time to, I mean, I get that it's collective bargaining agreement. So it's like, it's going to happen and they're going to try to set themselves up for the next several years. Yeah. But this is a time to kind of leave that alone and fix what's actually the problems here. Kind of go in, you know, and I get this way a CBA works. It's going to be a lot of tug of war until they find themselves in the middle. There's no point of having a union if it's not a negotiation. I get that's the way this works. But I wish the owners would take a step back and say, we don't need two more games. Uh, you know, somebody came out the other day and said that the competition committee said that the uh, pass interference replay rule mm, failed, failed. It wasn't the way that they wanted it to be. That's mm. that's that the competition committee said that. Right. So I'd rather you fix that. Let's pay attention to how to not get guys concussions. Right. We're looking at the XFL right now. We talked about it a couple weeks ago on how they're doing kickoffs mm-hmm. to maintain that part of the game, but to limit the amount of concussions. Right. Let's let's look at that. Look at a way to change the game to benefit the game. Mm-hmm. And then when guys aren't in concussion, Jordan Reed. Yeah. How long has Jordan Reed been in concussion protocol? He's still in Ford, concussion yeah. protocol. I, I hope he retired. I really Forever. Do. I really do. But it's like, get these guys some protection. Yeah. And then they, maybe they will want to play an extra couple games for and you. And like you said, with the contract too. Yeah. Like it guaranteed my contract then. Cause that's the thing. It's like, that's where they're so different with the NBA. Like Chris Bosch was out for like three years and that man got a check every single week. You know, and and that's good, you know, because something catastrophic and it's not like Chris didn't want to play, you know, that was really tough for him. And I hated to see that Chris Bosch couldn't finish out his career the way he wanted to. That was awful. But he didn't have to worry about his family. He didn't have to worry about his livelihood in the NFL, man. If you're done, you're done. And they cut you. You're done. You're not making that money. So I I feel like if if you want more out of me, you got to guarantee my money. Well, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, it's great business. Like, I'm, I'm not mad at them for doing Like, I, I understand what they're doing. It's <laughs> well, great business. You're out here with the it, monopoly aspect. Well, right? that's how they're looking at it. Yeah. That's how they're looking yeah. at it. Well, it's a negotiation. And how yeah. do you approach negotiation? You want, these are everything, this is everything that I want. Mm-hmm. And then you want them to negotiate you down off of yeah. that. So yeah. you're at least going to end with at least, you know, a, you want at least 50% of what you want. For sure. And less than 50% of what they want. Yeah. So, but it's so disrespectful to lowball, and and you know how I know like those owners knew it because the decision wasn't unanimous. They said that, and I don't remember. It's like it's almost conscious, probably yeah, twenty four out of something, but uh, twenty four out of thirty two owners or something like that. But like the other couple were like they didn't they expressed doubts during the meeting, according to Adam Schefter. So they knew they're like they I mean, really this shouldn't be doing this. This ain't gonna fly, this guys. Is not gonna I mean, fly. Let's just run with it. The thing know? is, like I I would I would love for NFL players to have their contracts fully guaranteed. Like I, I, I'm actually upset that it hasn't happened, but at the same time, if I was an owner, would I guarantee your contract in that sport? No. But yeah, as a human being, well, like, I think you deserve it for it to be guaranteed. Absolutely. But unfortunately when we're operating on this type of level of money that goes out the window, it's, no, yeah, it's so about that level of money, there. that level of money is what they're paying their players is a percentage of the income that they make. So to fully guarantee that is still just that same percentage. It's just now you're guaranteed to lose that one, that percentage. Yeah. And it's, now, like I don't know what that percentage is, but yeah. if have you ever seen these like the stipulations in their deals, Oh yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. It's, ridiculous. it's disgusting. And that's what I'm saying where it's like they they want to find every reason not to pay somebody. Uh-huh. And I don't want to, I don't want to jump on this AB train. I don't want to yeah. no, have sure. the discussion about it, but you know, there's a reason that he's going back to the league and saying the word guaranteed was in my contract. Yeah. Yeah. And he's filing that grievance. Yeah. And I don't got a check. So to me, it becomes one of those situations where do I agree with what AB did and how everything happened? No, but his contract said guaranteed. Yeah. Period. That should be honored. So I need my money. That should yeah. be honored. my coins. So the fact that it's even that's, getting that's to the terrible, point where it's a man. grievance yeah. to me is kind of disgusting. That's, that's messed up. Cause like as a human being, just as a person, as, as someone who works, like no one would want to work for a company like that. A company oh, who lowballs you, a company who who tries yeah. to shortchange you. I mean, that's messed up. They play on the fact that people love this game. 
That's what that's all that's they know terrible. They they go that's, for the product. It, it is it's it's super sad. Like, have you, have you awful, guys heard man. the Victor Cruz interview like he did a couple years ago? After no, he retired? I've heard about it, but I've yeah. never actually sat oh, and listened man. to the whole thing. It is Same. like it's that's when you really see like how dark behind the scenes of mm-hmm. like how the NFL contracts and stuff work. I remember like I think it was his last season before he officially was released from the Giants. Yeah. There was like certain stipulations in his deal that he had to reach in order to make X amount of dollars. And like, I don't know, it was like if you get, you need to pull in, I don't know, let's call it 58 catches in order for you to get uh, a $2 million incentive or something like that. That's ridiculous. But there was like four or five different ones. And like, of course, games played, which is why people play hurt because there's games that you have to play in order to fulfill that's that their money. Your, your contract. That's their money. And um, he was like, it was funny because as I, as I got closer to that catch mark, mm-hmm. it seemed like less balls started coming my way. Man, like I was like, that's wow. deep, bro. That's deep because wow. it's, because at the end of the day, like we're gonna lose game because because of pennies. Yeah, to them, like it's because of pennies. We're gonna we're gonna lose. Like, games. Hey, like wow. don't throw it to Victor as much this week, or else we're out two million dollars. Yes. Yeah, like yeah, chill out on that. Like, bro, like cash wow. rules everything around it's, it's, me. It's Quick. dark, man. It's dark, crazy. But I'm still watching football every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's talk about the NBA. Tiago, you out of pocket talked the other day about why the Eastern Conference is so bad. <laughs> what are you talking about, my boy? I don't think it was out of pocket. Um, I think that the East has been bad for a long time. And I, I'm I'm at a loss. Like, I don't actually understand why. Looking back at the history, and I understand, you know, there's the expansion draft and all, two expansion drafts actually post MJ, post MJ era. But I just... I don't understand why they're so bad. Like over the last 20 years. So you're talking about historically bad. You're not talking yeah, about bad. I'm, right I'm not now. just talking about this year. I mean, I, think, I don't think, I don't think they're bad this year. That's why I'm asking. The Nets are the seventh seed oh, with a losing the record. Is definitely bad. The East sure. is terrible. Yeah. I the mean, bottom is really bad. It, it's, it's Best been bad. always. Yes. Yeah. And because the West for whatever reason has always been really, really good over the last 20 years, 13 out of the last 20 NBA champions came out of the West. That's crazy. You know, like that's that's not an anomaly. And the fact that the East continues to be this bad, which is weird because I don't even think that there's a there's more talent in the West. I wouldn't even say that. I just I really don't understand why the East is so bad. Well, if we're going to do the last 20 years, I'm like, well, in the 90s, the East was great. The Pistons and the Bulls were winning championships. Okay, so like exclude uh, the six from the Bulls and it's still the same. Well, I mean, that's a lot to exclude. That's literally an era. Okay, but, if um, you add the six, <laughs> if you add, okay, how about this? If you add the six from the Bulls, uh, that's still thirteen for the East. Yeah, no, I you know what I'm saying. Like that's crazy. But uh, I actually think it's a very simple answer for why the East has been bad for the last twenty years. Um, every team that's at the bottom has terrible GM and terrible management. It's always been that way. Like the Bulls have had horrible management mm-hmm. since MJ's left. They're continuing to be bad. The Hornets have been run by MJ. He's a bad man. He's a bad GM. They've mm. been bad. Yeah. Uh, but the Wizards have a terrible GM. They're always bad. Uh, I mean, it, it, you can go down the list. Like every the Cavaliers have a terrible, like terrible GM. They're always bad. So it's it's it's. I don't think it's it's not an anomaly because there's they're not making changes. The teams that are good in the East are always the same teams that are good because they have good management, and that that goes for the East and the West. It's just that there just happens to be more good GMs in the West. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree that's a that. that's a that's a good point. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, like looking at this year, you know. Do you guys think the Bucks will beat the the Lakers? Um, Do you think no. it'd be at least a good series? I yes. think it would be. It'd yeah, be a good series. But okay. no, I don't think. Right, the Bucks right, will it'll be seven games, six, seven games, six games. Okay. Yeah. What about the Raptors versus the Nuggets? I'm taking the Raptors. But it'd be a good series. It'd be a good series. I'm not asking That's who's going to win. I'm taking the Nuggets, who's, but yeah. But who's gonna, it's a good series. Yeah, I would take the Nuggets. Seven, six, seven games. Six, seven games. Celtics yeah. versus the Clippers. I'm taking the Clippers. I'll take the Clippers too, like but it's going to be a good that'd series. Be a good, that'd be a good series. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be a, a great series. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a decent series. Okay, what about the Heat versus the Rockets? I'd it'd take the series. Heat. It'd be a good series. Okay. Sixers versus the Jazz? Born to watch. That would be, be an series. awful series, but Sixers and like... I might fall asleep on that series. Sixers sweep, maybe. Pacers versus Oklahoma City. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, I think it'd be better than we think, but OKC would take that. Okay. And uh, the Nets versus the Mavs. The Mavs would take that. As constructed. Currently. As constructed As right constructed now. As constructed currently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. but So that was through the seventh seed of both against this same seed on the other side. Oh, we ain't getting no AC love? <laughs> no. Because the Magic versus the Grizzlies is not a fun game to watch. I would love to see John Moran. It's a so weak body everybody. <laughs> but yeah, the Grizz would take that. But- but so okay, so your top seven. Let's say you even say your top eight teams. There's really only one that you're gonna go. Oh, okay, that's probably a sweep. But then look at the Grizzlies' record versus the, the Magic's Grizzlies, record. The Grizzlies are five 
500 and the Magic are 24 and 32. The yeah. Nets are 26 yeah, and 29. They're, they're eight games below 500. Yeah, but and they're in the playoffs. But that's the, ridiculous. The, yeah, okay. So their seventh and eighth seeds aren't that strong. And the Brooklyn Nets are failing because they have two guys on max contract who are sitting on the bench. Right. That's just life. That's just, that's the NBA. That's the way it's going to work. And who's the six seed? The Pacers. And they are, uh, I don't 20, 33 know. 33 and 24. 33 and 24. So, I mean, well, the Pacers are really yeah, good. Yeah. yeah really Nate really McMillan's great. It's yeah, great Especially with the Depot back. Larry Bird. They're, so, they're a great organization. It's come, it, it, that's why historically, I, I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with you yeah. about historically you being right. Mm-hmm. But I think this is probably one of the first years where you don't see it as lopsided. Yeah. There's like a, a resurgence a little yeah. bit. Like if the playoffs started today, the Magic play the Bucks. Yeah. Guess what? The Magic are getting swept. Sorry, guys. Sure. The Raptors are playing the Nets. The Raptors are going to probably sweep the Nets. Right. Probably. Yeah, currently as constructed. Probably, but then yeah. like, yeah, as constructed. Yeah. yeah. So Celtics versus Pacers, that's decent. Heat versus Sixers, that's a decent series too. Yeah, that'd be fun. But then you flip it over and say, okay, the Lakers play the Grizzlies. They're probably going to sweep the Grizzlies. Or maybe that's a, give That's them- still a fun series to watch though. Okay. And then the Nuggets play the Mavs. That's a fun series. That's to watch gonna be a fun too. series to watch. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie about yeah, that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Clippers versus Oklahoma City. Clippers are probably gonna give up a game, Ooh, maybe two, maybe two. I don't think. I the think Clippers, OKC. I, I, I think. I yeah, think the Clippers yeah. lose that. Let me put that no, way. I don't think they lose that. But I think it's like a, it's like an interesting six. Like I don't think it's yeah. like it's closer than we would think. Yeah. But so what I'm saying is, is that when it comes down to it, it's the guys in the, the playoffs are still gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when it in the best team in the East and the best team in the West are going to stand up to each other, they're not going to be. It's not whether one's going to get rolled. In my personal opinion, I mean, well, just to, just to answer your overall question is there's just better organizations in the West than there are in the East. Like it's yeah. just cold hard facts. Like it just there's better yeah. run teams in like, the West than there are in the East. Bad teams in the West. What you got? Phoenix, which has been terribly run for years, and then um, Minnesota, Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota, bad for a very long the Kings. time. Kings, yeah. So like three, I guess. Pelicans, kinda. Uh, Pelicans are up and down. The, but they're, they're, they're they're getting better. Yeah, they're getting a lot better. They they brought in the right people. You know, Dave I mean, Griffin. if you notice, like a lot of the teams on the east on the east coast, for some reason, I don't know why, but I'm speaking about the Knicks particularly. I know I hate the Knicks. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of teams that they like they try to bank in on their cachet, yeah, rather than actually having a well organization. Yeah, yeah. These are the things that p- burn you. Do you want to play so, for the Knicks? No, just because want, it's the Knicks. I want to play yeah. for the, the team Lakers that actually or, knows you know, what they're doing. Yeah, but isn't that wild? Because don't like don't the Lakers do the same thing, but it works for them. Yeah, but they're also yeah, but they well have a managed. Track record. They're they're actually well managed and yeah. they win. And no, Doctor I mean, the Lakers, Dr. the Buss Lakers, was a legend. The Lakers like, were yeah. bad for five years straight too. So that's not true. like they're not like they're. It's not like they're. You it's can't not, penetrate like, the shield. Yeah, like, yeah. It happens to them. It's too. not no, bulletproof. No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, not not saying that LeBron would have, but you know, I mean, LeBron if, could have easily went. Let's to the say Knicks like picking right now, would you pick the like the Lakers didn't have if this was the Lakers from five years ago? Would you pick the Lakers or the Knicks? I would go to the Lakers. Like I wouldn't play for James Dolan. Like bad ownership is going to deter people. Yeah, and so it is what it is. The Pistons have bad ownership. The Cavs have bad ownership. They're not going to land players. That's true. Yeah. So. I had that conversation today about the NFL, actually, where it has to get, come to a point where if you want a competitive product, you can't just say, well, this person can own this team for decades, yeah. generations even. I mean, like, exactly. not to hate on the Raiders, because the Raiders, in my opinion, aren't a terribly owned team, but the Davis family has owned the, Lake, or, oh, the Lakers, owned the Raiders for yeah. how long? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. And so at what point, you know, and like I said, they're not a poorly run they, organization. They've owned the Raiders. They- They've owned the Raiders when like bowl cuts were still cool. You know, <laughs> that's why they still have that's bowl why cuts. They still <laughs> have bowl cuts. <laughs> but it's it's the same same situation where yeah. it's like, okay, so we're we're on the second generation of Davis. What if it goes to the third generation of Davis and they still haven't won a Super Bowl? That's They're true. not consistent playoff. Okay, so it has to come to a point where the organization as a whole, the league, has to pull ownership, yeah, buy them out to basically create a competitive product because obviously what they're doing isn't working. That's they've true. had the coaches changes, they've had player changes, they've had decades of change happening. I think that's a great yeah. idea. And that's that's kind of the way I see it. But I know there comes a point where it's no longer an organizational problem yeah. and it becomes a player problem. Right. And so like at what point do you guys see that it becomes a player problem? I actually highly I actually don't think like for okay. So let me phrase this properly. I don't think there's a such thing as a player problem. I don't okay, think well, so. let me let me let me rephrase this as a problem. And when does it become a player's fault that the team is the team is losing? I don't. Yeah, I don't believe in that term that it's it's the player's fault because the, if the GM like if the GMs are smart 
and the ownership is their their mindset is in the right place. Like we've had a lot of players come out and you know just lay out the business of of bad teams. Like Gilbert Arenas, like will lay out why the Wizards sucked for so many years. He's just like bro, he was just selling tickets. Yeah, like he would he would just max anybody. Like I'll just yo, let's give him a deal. Like, I need to put butts in seats. And so that culture is gonna resonate with wherever you go. And so like you look at a team like Chicago. The Bulls have been bad since Jordan left. Literally been bad since then. Yeah. It's the ownership. So like Levine being a good talent and not being able to prevail over that, I can't fault him for that. That is the ownership. But then let's say that Levine does go past that. Then Levine gets the credit for saving the Bulls. Then. Yeah, not, he's not the gonna organization. Do it. He's not going to do it. No, I'm not saying he but is, but I'm there's saying there's a potential for a player to come along. You know is saying? there a potential for someone to change? Because what I'm saying is, at what point? At what point do we give praise, and at what point do we fault? Because yeah. you know, organizations can be bad. Yes, well, me, for sure. Let me ask you. So, um, to add to your point, mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors. What have they changed in the last 15 years? Their approach to the game. Okay, completely. so they've changed the coach. Yeah, been, and, and in the last to, 15 years, they've been through a few coaches. Yeah, but I'm saying, and but yeah, talent. but they went from being the laughing stock of the league yeah. to multiple time champions. But and I guess mean, who gets who the credit drafted. for that? But get, who gets the credit for that? Steph Curry? Yeah, I would say the players. Yeah, yeah, the players. Yeah, yeah. The players but, but, the but, but the talent. Is, but at the same time, like in the in those years they were winning, they were winning best organization in the league. Like yes. for a reason. Oh, for sure. But like, why were they winning it? Those dudes. But yeah, why were they sure. winning it then and not mm-hmm. the five years prior to them winning championships? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I see your Steph point and them the boys. Like they took a leap. Steph, yeah, specifically took a leap. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like you know. Well, I just like I said, there comes a point to where like Michael Jordan saved the Bulls. Yes. Steph Curry saved the Warriors. But Zach Levine, yes, I'm not taking anything away from Zach Levine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, for sure. And so at what point does someone... So Devin Booker, actually, in my opinion, is an even better example. So Devin Booker, if the Suns were to make the playoffs as they're currently constructed, Devin Booker would have a statue. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, for sure. And, and I think that that's how it goes. And that's why it's, it's a catch 22 of sorts. Cause like, you know, and, and you guys know this, like we, we, we spent a good amount of time arguing this for a minute, you know, you know, with the whole LeBron situation, you know, well, LeBron didn't really save Cleveland. He had Kyrie and Caleb and they had talent. Yeah. Okay. But so did LeBron not save Cleveland or is Cleveland a bad organization? You know what I'm saying? So is, did he save them or did he not save see, them? To me, you can't to me the thing is, is that the, you know organi- the organization was never a good organization. They just got LeBron James. So they so signed so the Le- talent, right? But, exactly. but the problem, the thing is, is then how do you, who's responsible for the success? What? Yeah, exactly. So how do you gauge that? So are the yeah. bulls bad because they don't surround Zach Levine with better talent? Is that why they're bad? Yes. Because, well, okay. It's, it's, so then the Cleveland, it's, it's so Cleveland too, so was bad. Even, other things. But Cleveland was bad, even right. though they signed the talent, they just happen to have the talent to win. Exactly. See, the thing is like, the funny thing is that LeBron is so good that he took that 07 team to the final. That 07 team was garbage. They had no business being there. And like, and LeBron was going to management, asking them for help year, even before he made it to the finals that year. Yeah. And they weren't making moves. So it was like, if him not winning in 07 is to me is not his fault. He is asking for help. Like, I can't do it by myself. Right. No, so no, that I, to me, that is what I'm saying. Like, we're, but, but then what was the difference so, in 2016? Because what LeBron, he came back calling the shots. Yeah, that's exactly. Different. And that's yeah. what I mean. So he literally came in. He said, this is how we're going to run it. Right. Mm-hmm. You, we have Kyrie. Let's trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Then let's bring in this. Let's pay Tristan Thompson. Let's pay J.R. Exactly. Smith. He literally called all the shots. And then as soon as he left, the organization went back to where it was because Le GM was not calling the shots. Yeah. So I think it's it turns into a it is into that to into that point too. Even right? if we we can even make that or use that example to this season, so uh, we can tell you can see from a good organization to a bad organization. LeBron leaves the Cavaliers; they've been the worst team in the league for the last since he's left. Yeah, and, look Kawhi, at the and then and then Kawhi Leonard leaves the Toronto Raptors, and they're the second team in the West. Right, I mean the East. I'm sorry. Yeah, excuse me. But that's because Masai Ujiri is a great GM. Great GM. So yeah, like, it's, nurse is I a mean, good coach. Yeah, it's, they have good personality. You guys are, it's a catch-22, but I definitely believe that it's a lot more on the guys who are sitting in the suits than it is the players. Yeah. Because it's a lot about fit. Because there's no... Well, why is Greg Poppin winning championships for so long? Does he Has he had the best talent in the league? At, no. That, that, and that's all... And I would give so Pop... That's why the Spurs are one of the I best organizations in the league. I the, the, well, the praise, though. Because they have yeah. one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if are we know. having that conversation in 2020, because where were the Spurs last year during the playoffs? Yeah, but it gets yeah. to a certain point. And where do they you get, know? where I mean, are they it's at like, right it's, now? It's yeah. a lot. It's like I give Pop the benefit of the doubt. Well, I'm not. It's like the Tom Brady thing where it's like, well, at this point. No, no, no. I, you know, I'm not discounting Popovich. Yeah. Like Greg Popovich is, is easily, easily, he should have a statue outside of every stadium. But 
when it comes down to it, I'm using your guys' argument against you. So, yes, they have a great coach, but they're not winning games. So, yeah. is it the player's fault? Is it the to GM's point, fault? Yeah, because to a point, yes. And and that's why I think the answer, the answer is, yeah, like, uh, at what point does it become the player's fault? At what point does it become the organization's fault? Like, the answer is, is yes to both. Like, yeah. I think it depends on the situation and the circumstance, because that's why when we look at San Antonio, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's Pop's fault. I I just think that they do not have the personnel at this time. Like DeMar DeRozan should not be there. Yeah. And that is not a knock to DeMar DeRozan. I love DeMar. So it's the GM's fault. Maybe. Yeah. For making that trade. But, but again, they did what they could they out of a terrible out of situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't, so I can't even really fault the GM. It's, it's, it's DeMar's fault, but like by default. Yeah. And it's like, it's not even right. The Spurs did the playoffs last year. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but they okay. were with AC. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I'm 18 and they, years and straight. Went, and they no, went home. No, no <laughs> for went, sure. Like, they're no. not making the playoffs this yeah. year. I mean, it, it's, well, I mean, it's, last it's season, for the but. sake of example. Like, no one's, yeah. no one's like disparaging, you know, like the Spurs are great. Pop is great. That organization yeah. is great. But I think, like, I think history has a lot to do with everything. I mean, you know, you have a team like the Spurs, like they make these playoffs like 20 years in a row. Mm -hmm. Like that speaks to your organization because you have to maintain that. Because clearly it's not that easy because there's teams who can't get it. Yeah, for sure. So, but I mean, they brought yeah, in the right I think guy. the answer, you I guys are right. It's somewhere in between. It's in the middle. Yeah. But um, I, I think that that's something that gets underlooked a little bit. For sure. Because like RC Buford is a beast for maintaining the Spurs that long. Yeah, it's I true. Mean, I mean, I understand they might not win a championship every year, but to go 20 straight seasons and be in the playoffs, yeah. like you got to tip your to, cap. To no, be sure. in the conversation. Every, every season. Every is, season is just yeah. as important as winning a championship. No, yeah. for sure. If you're not in the conversation, you're definitely not winning a championship. Yeah, for sure. But if you're in the conversation, even as an eighth seed, you you have an yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So for I've sure. got a question for you guys. You know, we've been we've all been basketball fans for a long time, mm -hmm. and there's one consistent thing in the NBA that people always always complain about. Right. Officiating. Mm. So, do you guys think that the NBA officiating is as bad as people perceive it? Or say it is. I mean, Cliff, I know you're a big Twitter user. I know you see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it is as bad as people say it is, what would you do to, to fix it? Well, see, the thing is, it's not as bad as people say it is. To me, there's only been like one egregious mistake, which was the Damian Lillard obvious goaltend. But like, I, I hope that we have enough technology where like, we should, we should never get a goaltending call overall at this point. Like, that should be, we should be able to just review it if it's that big of a deal, especially if it's like a game winning shot. We should be able to review it if it's a goaltend, it's a goaltend. Like, I don't care if you if you didn't call it on the floor. Like, if it's a goaltend, it's a goaltend. Like, the the rules are so black and white. Like, yeah. the ball at the backboard first or not. Um, but far as far as like a lot of the other rules, a lot of it comes down to people just not actually understanding what guys are doing. And like, when I say that, I mean I'm talking about the Hardens and the Lucas and uh, even Giannis. Like Giannis gets a lot of hate too. Like, there's like the thing is, I don't blame. You're talking about like what's a travel, what's not a travel, what's not a travel. And I don't blame a lot of the fans for saying that too, because there's a lot of players who don't understand the rules. There's a lot of players currently in the NBA who also think that so and so is, yeah. is traveling because they don't understand the rules themselves. Are we? Are we? We? No. You can insert so and so with James Harden. Well, and, no, not um, even James Harden. Like, I mean, J.R. Smith is on Twitter all the time ranting about how Giannis yeah. is walking. No, but like, it's no, interesting because not, the game, the game does change. So when you see someone like a Giannis or like a Harden, who is, you know, they're working within the rules. They are not, yeah, yeah which is which is impressive. And, and again, it's so impressive what James Harden does, and I don't think that he gets enough credit. Oh, but yeah, what he, he has done in terms of revolutionizing the game, the way he plays, incredible. The incredible. funny thing to me is that they'll they'll watch Harden do this step back. 200 times I'll call it a travel every time and then you'll you'll come out and you'll watch Luca do the same exact move and I'm like oh that's a good shot <laughs> I was like bro <laughs> it's the same it's the same thing it's, it's, well, perception. I think, it's perception I think a lot yeah, of the problem perception. is is that like the so I like to call it the gather step rule yeah mm -hmm. so gather step so you you're dribbling the where you pick up the ball is not where you start counting steps right it's where you have possession of the ball so that first step like where your foot lands on the ground as you pick up the dribble that does not count mm -hmm. it's that the two steps following. So that's why a Euro step works. Yeah. That rule was changed in 2009. That's only an 11 year old rule. Yeah, the gather sure. step rule came into existence in 2009. Yeah. So there's guys who right now are playing in the NBA who at one, when they were rookies, that was a travel. That is but see, the thing, true. The funny thing about that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that the rules made in 2009. Cause there's tons of clips of guys in the nineties and eighties doing yep. the same exact moves. Yeah. Because, well, if you under, like, let's say, I don't want to say it's easy to understand. Once you understand what the gather step is, it's blatantly obvious. Like, oh, wow. Like, now I understand why this stuff works. Now I understand why that's so hard to defend. Yeah. And now I understand why someone who's smart enough to understand the rule book can expose how hard it is to stop that. For sure. But, like, guys have been doing, like, the, the Euro set wasn't created in 
2010. Like guys were doing Euros in the 80s. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I understand why some people are mad. I think a lot of the older players are upset because they didn't realize it. Like, dang, mm-hmm. I, that's probably an extra 2,000 points I would have had. Right. Because you, like, how could you stop me? But um, the NBA. Shaq with a Euro step? The, oh the NBA <laughs> needs to do, they've been trying. Disgusting. I've seen it on Twitter. Shout out to the NBA for actually trying because there's a NBA officials Twitter account that's very right. fun that they will go on eventually because like there's a from I think it was two two games ago against the Jazz or something like that hard sure. did a Euro step there it was like he traveled and the NBA officials are like literally like guys listen and they like they're walking them through it but like this is something they should have been doing years ago so people can understand because now what happens is once we have these thoughts who come out people always say oh he's traveling he's traveling he's traveling now the narrative has been built right so even once I debunk that he's traveling you can't get past that so the NBA has to do a better job of if someone is creating a narrative about a player whether it be Giannis whether it be Harden Luca whoever if they found something that is exposing a rule in the book that is 100% legal lay that out so that like, I, I don't want to hear Stephen A. Smith oh he's traveling right, on first right, take like exactly. lay out that he's not that he's actually just so using that way his creativity to his advantage but, and I think the NBA has tried to do that a little bit especially with not necessarily uh, I'm, I'm talking about more with like the bad calls with like the final two minute report and stuff yeah. like that and again like Damian Lillard famously that two minute said, report is probably like, what's that going to do for me now you know yeah, what I'm saying like, that two minute like report is kind of a, it's, it's weird to me it's a blessing and a curse because yeah. honestly it's the NBA admitting where they mm-hmm. made those faults and it's also at the same point I was like well what are we going to do about now but um do you think that that whole building the narrative like regardless of what has already you know has already been explained does that affect the refs in terms of like in the playoffs because like and i say that because like take for example like dwight howard Mm -hmm. when dwight was dominant i'm watching him blatantly get fouled yeah he would leave he would leave with bruises nothing i mean he'd go to line maybe five you know what i'm saying like that's insane yeah does that affect because it's an imperfect game so are these refs going to be so affected what, so what you're asking is basically if we talk about the james harden travel oh that's a travel that's a travel that's a travel a refs are they start looking it. for it exactly and then looking to call it even if it's close or not a travel exactly but i think yes actually that's a that's, that's a good interest, question that's an interesting but question, right? from, but for the most part from I mean, I watch a lot of like YouTube channels that actually bring in NBA referees. Mm-hmm. They'll be the first to explain like why it's not. And they know what they're looking at to tell if it is or not. Because yeah. I mean, once you understand the concept of it, you can see whether he's walking or not. No, for sure. And of course, they're being paid to look at this well, stuff. I mean, so, can you count to three? Yeah. Well, yeah, but at the same time, okay. At the same time, to be yeah. fair to everyone else, like you know, there's like Harden is he does manipulate the ball. Like if you aren't, if you don't know what you're looking at, you're like, bro, how did he get from there to there? Yeah. Whereas like you can watch a guy like Giannis take one dribble from half court and dunk, and people are like it's a travel. I'm like, well, it's not. It's not. But, just if you, if you don't understand yeah. the actual game of like what he's they're getting doing. from here to here in one yeah, dribble, exactly. just because he takes two steps within that dribble, that's not make it that a travel. Doesn't make it a travel. Right. The people don't it's understand just, that. And since that has resonated so long, and it's just been built around and tossed around, and then you got guys on Twitter who are mad because Harden scored sixty on his team, <laughs> but bro, he's traveling. The he's Twitter traveling. refs, the Twitter, the refs. Twitter refs, and it's like guys, like let's yeah. break it down. Like he's just. He's just he can't your boy can't guard him. He's just just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean that yeah. they're manipulating. They're manipulating the now I will say this: there have been several times where we've seen people travels. They're just walking the ball up the court mm-hmm. and then not get called. Yeah, yeah. I mean LeBron last year, we can all remember that yeah, one yeah. where he's just walking. He's holding the ball like a football <laughs> and pointing out the offense that he's calling. He went on Twitter. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got away with that one. Or Russ when he, uh, oh, well, Russ did well, it too. you know, well, Russ, Russ, did it, Russ got called. Russ got called. But I mean, yeah. that man took like seven steps. But um, or or who was it? It might have been Devontae Graham or somebody where he like pivoted, picked up his foot, twist, and then like went in for a layup. It was crazy. But I in terms of like egregious calls and again. During a regular season, it kind of is what it is, whatever. But during the playoffs, though, like that can be. That's going to win or lose you the game. That's, you know, yeah. like, I okay, like you guys remember, uh, obviously, you know, Cleveland wasn't going to win this series. But that last 2018 series, game one, the infamous block charge. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wish I remembered that. But so, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was it was basically a play where, uh, you know, LeBron took a uh, charge on on kd um or well yeah yeah he took the charge on kd yeah. so they called it a charge on kd right i think the i think the cats were up by one or well, something like so both one of the refs called it a charge and the other one called it a block correct and the the one the referee actually 
called it a charge. Yeah. So they called it correctly, but then they, I don't remember the exact specifics, but Golden State still ended up getting the ball because they're saying, well, while we reviewed this, it did turn out that there was a foul that occurred on the player for yada yada for Golden State. So for now off we're gonna, the ball. Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to backtrack that and give Golden State two free throws. That was wild. Yeah. I can't. Wild. I, I don't agree with I that. I mean, they but. basically robbed Cleveland yeah, of that of, game. Don't get me wrong. They were still going to win. They were still going to lose that series, but they were trying I to mean, go that's, home, bro. that's crazy. <laughs> you know, and it is a human game. Yeah. There's going to yeah. be, there's, there's always going to be imperfections, you know? And if, you know, you always, as a sports, as sports people, there's that cliche, well, don't leave it in the hands of the refs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where it comes down to. If your team lost because of some, and I wouldn't even say like an egregious call. So like, I look at like the saints a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Yeah. That was an egregious call. They should have never lost that game. Like there's, that's not a, don't leave it in the hands. You're of the saying they shouldn't quote. have been in that position. Well, I, I, that's not one of those times where the don't leave it in the hands of the refs applies. Cause that should, that the refs should do their job. Yeah. But when it comes down to something like that, where it's just kind of like this kind of crazy one-off or like, you know, somebody goes up for like a shot and you're saying they like, get, don't look for the foul. Cause there are times where you'll see yes. players drive and they are looking for the foul and then they don't get it. And then, it. and then, the, Oh, well the, the refs cost you us know, the game. And it, yeah. And it's like, well, like I love D Wade, you know, I love D Wade, yeah. but I remember in those finals, man, where he, it's like he doing jumping jacks. It was crazy. Cause he was looking for that call. Yeah. And they didn't call it. And not just, not just that though, but like the, not just going like I see, you see a lot of guys at the end of games trying to sell fouls yeah. just so that way they can take easier shots and get points. No, for sure. And I understand it, but it gets to a point where guys like make the shots. Yeah. Take the shots you need and don't. And when it's comes back later on Twitter and super slow motion and super zoomed in and you see somebody yeah. miss a three and you see somebody else's hand slightly graze up against his arm. Don't be like, oh, that should have been called a foul. Like you guys are wild. For but that. I do think but, that's going to mess with the refs, man, because they're going to be like, this guy's been selling all game. I'm not going to call this today. But yeah, to, exactly. to counter those, the points that y'all were making, because I, I, in a sense, I do agree with, I do agree with that. Um, but like you were saying, like it's a human game. And so uh, on the flip side of, of saying that it's, there's always going to be a human element to the game. Mm-hmm. I wish that we would celebrate the creativity that the humans are presenting to the game now. Cause uh, like, you know, I know everyone hates that Harden draws fouls. Okay. Like he's not the first person to do this guys. Yeah. He just mastered the art of drawing fouls. Yeah. Like just like you might not like watching him shoot 20 free throws, but he's mastered the art of making the guy foul him. He is being fouled, but yeah, I, I agree. He is being fouled. Yeah. He is being fouled. It's impressive. So it's not, it's not, it might not be fun to watch. Defend in a way to the that casual you don't foul fan, him. to exactly. the casual fan. They don't appreciate it. But exactly. if you, if you, if you watch basketball and you see Harden up close and I've watched him live, it's, it's brilliant. It's it really is. It's, it's, it's insanely frustrating to watch. Well, not to watch to to to, like, to picture yourself having to defend it. Like because there's nothing you can do. Thought of what do you? There do? is nothing you can. What do? can you do? So that is him. That is him using the human element of the game to create a way for a lose lose. Big shout out to the Jazz for guarding him from behind last year. <laughs> oh they, yeah, they literally Tried were trying everything. to find yeah. a, just some kind of crazy way to guard. Yeah, him. Ricky Rubio was like, well, <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, it, it seemed foolish, but how nobody you they still don't have an answer yeah so they were just willing to try something completely out of the box i mean for a second there i mean hey let's give them the two i'll live with it so yeah so just just as much as we you know we criticize the human era of the missing calls like let's also celebrate the fact that there's guys out here who figured out ways to be creative and do things that for sure the last 40 years dudes couldn't they didn't think about this for sure so that's all that's all i ask beautiful i love it gentlemen i love it sure well it's that time gentlemen you said. You said. You said. You said. You said. What? What? Whoa! What? So we're gonna start off. I'll give you guys a couple of hints. Okay. All right. So we're gonna start off in the NBA. Okay, and we're gonna keep running this officiating train. So refs have bad games. Crews have bad games. But this isn't a single game issue. This is the same stuff that has been going on for twenty years. Hire former refs who think they know how to hire, train, and manage. Realize two years later that they can't repeat. Ooh, that is tough. But you said in the NBA for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say Dame Lillard because, you know, he's the last person I can recall getting robbed like that. So I'm going to say Dame. Uh, I guess that would be the obvious answer. So let me go with something else. Um, it's a more obvious answer than that. I'll tell you that. It's a more That's obvious wrong. Answer. That's wrong. Mm, it's a it's more, a more obvious, obvious answer. Than that. Think about somebody for years who's who's hated on officiating. Dwight hated Howard. Officiating. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Cliff. Um, Man, hate on officiating for years. Um, I want to go with um, let's go with Russell Westbrook. Wait, before you I'm say one Russell. last thing, Charles Barkley. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Ah, Mark, 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 Cuban. Mark Cuban said that. Yeah, that was a tweet. Wow. This week. Did he get fined? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, oh, definitely man. got fined. He said, put it on the tab. It's so, good. you know, we aren't the ones, we aren't the popular people saying that refs get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. Uh, very that's interesting. Very that's interesting. a good one. I like that. That's a good one. I wasn't going to. All right. So I got another one staying in the NBA. It doesn't matter what seed you are. You just got to keep up fighting. It's about the right team peaking at the right time. I don't think we've even gotten there yet. It feels like we're getting close, but we just need guys to get healthy. That's Damien. Mm, that's the obvious answer, but I don't know. It's a low seeded team um, that I think is probably in the playoffs. Probably. Probably in the man. Um, Tiago makes this analytical. I know this He's is like tough. the percentages of this. <laughs> I really don't know, man. I'm gonna just take take a while, I guess. I'm gonna say it's the Dallas Mavericks. I'm gonna say it's, it's Rick Carlisle. I'm not doing two Dallas Mavericks in a row, man. You're wild. <laughs> See, no, this is this is this is the captain of. Well, I guess captain, the most, the superstar of the third seed of the West, Kawhi Leonard. Wow. Oh, I don't know why he talks. Yeah. It was kind of robotic, but they got it out of him for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Paul George is hurting all that. Yep. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Man, fun I got guy. Y'all. Oh, He's I got been emotional y'all. lately. Yeah. Y'all see him get heated? Yeah. Well, that was crazy. I, I love it. I, I love it. it. Clippers, Clippers Kawhi is the Kawhi we needed. We just never knew it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the last one I got, uh, it's not a recent one, mm-hmm. but it's definitely one I found for my boy Cliff. Oh, boy. It's from the NFL. Okay. There's a stack of analytical data that people don't even know how to read. It's one thing to have the data. It's another thing to know how to read the dang thing. It's tough. Oh, you got good ones today. Tony. <laughs> yeah, oh, I had time. Good. Oh. <laughs> mm. Player or coach? Can I at least have that? This is a coach. Okay. All right. <laughs> mm. um, you guys going to give all this dead air? <laughs> I'm going to go with Bill. Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick. Um, Bill Belichick? I'm going to say about reading the, you said the dang thing. That's not what he said, but yes. Okay. That's the pretense. This is a clean podcast. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, about reading the data. Oh man, this is, I have no idea, man. I'm going to say Bruce Arians on Jameis Winston and his current (laughs) vision. That's a good guess. (laughs) This was at last year's combine slash draft. Mr. John Gruden. Oh, oh, that was my so next like, guess, man. Because when you said dang thing, I'm like, that's a Gruden grinder thing to say. <laughs> like, I was like, nah, but it can't be him. But man, man, dang, those are good. So I wanted you, I wanted to keep you guys on your toes a little bit. So I wanted I wanted one to be, you know, these so the, the both the NBA ones were from this week. Yeah. And then the the John Gruden one, you know, we I, had to, we had like to kick that. it back. But I wanted to make an analytical, find an analytical quote for Ooh. my boy Cliff out here who hates analytics. I like that. Exactly. Word to John. Hey, numbers never lie, though. <laughs> Or do they? Mm. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> what a way. What a way. What a, what a bunch of clowns I work with, man. I swear. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We've got more on the way. We've got some stuff in the pipeline for y'all. We got some giveaways coming up. Yes, sir. So uh, be sure to uh, stay tuned for that. Um, start thinking of some people that you want us to start introducing our podcast to. Because that's going to be important for you to get some free swag. For sure, for sure. So we appreciate everything. Shout us out if you'd like. We would love you all forever. We might we might find a way to thank you later. Yeah. Triple Overtime on every, any podcast uh, platform that you listen to. Uh, if you can't find it on the one of choice, hit up our Instagram and ask us why we're not there. At 3OT Podcast. Right. And click the link on the bio. It'll send you to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast. It'll send you yeah, where whole you need menu, to go. Whole menu of options. Yes, sir. So uh, again, thank you. And we'll see you guys next time.